Isaiah, the 60th chapter, starting at the first verse, comes familiar Christmastide words. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephrah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. And then from the Gospel of Matthew, following the birth of Jesus, we hear this. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, magi from the east, magi from the east, came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where is the Messiah who was to be born? 
And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And Herod secretly called the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star appeared. And then he sent to them, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. And then they had heard, when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, They left for their own country by another road. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, we need to get a couple things straight. First of all, There weren't three. Second of all, they weren't wise men or kings. And third of all, unless you can say to yourself when you see Tommy John that he is oriental, They weren't from the Orient. Why do I say that? Because most scholars now think that the Magi from the East, which is all the text says, is that there were Magi from the East, were really probably from Lebanon or Syria. And Lebanese particularly Lebanese men, are dark and swarthy and beautiful, like the John family. Not what we would think of as oriental, and we don't really use that word anymore either, but they didn't come from Far East Asia, right? They were magi, not kings or wise men. Where does the notion that they were kings come from? Well, from that song we sang, but also from the text that we heard in Isaiah and from the Psalms, because it says kings and princes will come from far away, right? And the notion of three, why are there three? Remember, the text says magi came from the east. That's all it says. Three, because there were three gifts. So the presumption was each one of them brought a gift, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
But later tradition assigns to these three names and even particular looks because they were thought to have come from the ends of the known earth, which was Asia, Europe, and Africa. Get it? There weren't three. They weren't kings. They weren't from the Orient. We'll keep singing the song, though, so it's okay. So what were they then? Well, they were magi. What's a ma- what, is ma- what are magi? Who are these characters? Good Christian people like us want to try to pass them off as astronomers. They were people who studied the stars. No, they weren't. They were Zoroastrians in all likelihood. They were astrologers. Difference being, they were people whose religion it was to look at the stars, put their faith in what they saw, and follow it. Now, I grew up in a very evangelical and sort of charismatic church. And in that church, we were regularly taught that sorcery and astrology was against God's way. And there is some stuff in Leviticus that backs that kind of, kind of thought up. In fact, I remember being in a confirmation class once where we were taught that if somebody ever asks you what your sign is, you should answer, I was born under the sign of the cross. Don't even tell them that you're a Sagittarius or a Leo or a whatever. Because it was so wrong to turn to astrology because it's putting your life in the hands of something other than the creator of the universe. And some of you are thinking, well, it's just entertainment. I read that in the the Sunday morning news like I do my crossword or whatever. Well, we were again taught it shifts from being entertainment to being something that takes over your lives and you must beware. So given that, what are these dudes doing in this story? Help me out here. These are people who are turning to something else besides the creator of the universe to find their way. And they follow that star. Many people think now that at this point they probably followed that star for a couple of years. They followed the star for a long time. Seeking something. When I first entered ministry, there was all this talk about seekers. We had to have a seeker service. We had to gear everything to seekers. We wanted to be seeker-friendly, seeker, seeker, seeker. Seeker was just another term for, became another term for 
welcome people who aren't churched. But it wasn't a bad term necessarily because, you know, those people were thought to be people who were seeking Jesus. And there was a presumption that maybe even actively seeking Jesus, these people. But we don't, talk, we don't use that language much anymore. The shift from people being seekers to what we now know as people being nuns, N-O-N-E-S, nuns, is they, defi- they define themselves as spiritual but not religious. There is a presumption in this new way of thinking that these folks really aren't seeking something. They already have something. They're already spiritual, whatever that means. Isn't that interesting? I always want to look to the words of my pastor who says, people will come to him and say, Pastor, do I need Jesus? to go to heaven, and he will always answer, brother, you need Jesus just to go to Walmart. Like, we say these people aren't seeking because they're not actively looking for something, but there is something in the human condition that makes us want to find God. That is the whole premise behind Christmas, that God made God's self manifest to us so that we might know God better. So here we have these guys, these magi. They might have been women, too, by the way. That's not a gender-specific noun. Seeking for something. They're not sure what. And they go to all places. Herod, the king, one of the nuttiest rulers to ever walk the face of the earth. He was vicious. He was awful. But there was protocol for them to go see him, so they do. And here's what happens when they go see Herod. It's very interesting to me. Herod doesn't say to them, get out. Herod is smooth. See, he's one of the nuttiest rulers to ever walk the face of the earth. And he, get, he says to them, okay, you go find that guy who's going to be king of the Jews, which, by the way, is my title. Herod's title was king of the Jews. You go find that guy and let me know where he's at because I want to meet him. Well, Herod wasn't interested in meeting him. Herod was interested in doing him in. Here's the thing. There are three characters in that part of the story. The Magi, Herod, and the religious people of the day. How do we know they're in there? Because the Magi go and say, where is this king of the Jews to be born? And he has to find somebody to interpret the scripture to tell them. Those are the religious people of the day. When it comes time to go seek and find the king of the Jews, 
Look in the text and see who actually goes. The Magi. The astrologers. The pagans from another land are the ones who go to seek and find Jesus. The religious people aren't there. They don't even bother. And Herod only wants to go after he knows that it's confirmed and that he can find that king of the Jews to do him in. The religious people missed the whole thing. Perhaps it is true that religion has become such a force in our lives that we forget sometimes the actual reason behind our being here. I got a letter in the mail. It's going in the crazy letter file. We have one of those here at Vance. From people who are a little bit off their rocker. One came to us in green crayon, written like this in big letters. It was six pages long. It's in the crazy letter file. If anything happens to me, ask, the, ask Jane where the crazy letter file is and give it to the police. But I got a letter today, or this week, saying, do you preach? Blah, 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 blah. Religion has become an enemy to Jesus because we have forgotten our purpose. Now, all the blah, blah, blah in that letter that I got about the things we're supposed to be preaching prompted me to put it in the crazy letter file, but the religious people as we go through this next part of the Bible, are going to show up time and time and time again as the ones who miss the point of Jesus being in the world. And it's going to get rough the next few weeks, fellas, because this is when Jesus says, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, take care of the poor. The widow and the orphan are the ones we look out for. We were strangers in a strange land, and so we must honor the stranger in our midst. That's hard stuff if we're going to live it the way Jesus intended. There's another part of this. Don't miss the fact that it's the pagans who end up paying homage to Jesus. The people, the religious folks thought, didn't belong in worship. Oh, come on somebody, that's good right there. Who do we think doesn't doesn't belong here? What do they look like? How much money do they have? What are their politics? What kind of mask do they choose to wear or not wear? Are we missing the point? 
There is a pretty famous story called the fourth wise man. The point of the fourth wise man is that there was a guy who was supposed to go with the other three and he missed the boat. They took off without him and he roams the earth trying to catch up. And he never makes it. Instead of bringing gold or frankincense or myrrh, he has three jewels that are precious and very expensive that he wants to bring the new king. He never makes it to the king to give him his gift. But as he travels, he gives away one jewel at a time to people who need them. He's just like the other magi. An astrologer from a foreign land who is seeking something great for his life. A pagan. Someone who doesn't belong with the religious people. But as he gives away those gifts to others, as Christ calls him to do, He finds the spirit of Christ in himself. And his seeking is over. I hope we can take seriously those who come to this place seeking to fill their lives with the revelation of the creator of the universe. Some of them ended up with songs written after them. Thanks be to God. Amen.